Welcome to another episode of the Finance and Property Survival Guide. My name is Damien. I'm a 24-year-old from Newcastle, Australia. When I finished high school, I felt like a lot of my education left out the most important things that I needed going forward. Stuff like getting a mortgage, budgeting for big purchases and investing were never talked about or explained in any great detail. I want the Survival Guide to serve as the middleman for anyone looking to learn about finance and property. Each week I'll endeavour to speak to and learn from some of those within the industry to help break down the details of the finance and property sector. This is another instalment of finance and property with Money Saver Home Loans. That is the company I am from with my father David along with my mum Lisa. It's a family run business. Each week Dave and I sit down and talk about the latest news within finance and property try and break it down and explain it to people who might not know as much about it as uh, the way the news does it. Because there's a lot of terminology that goes right over my head that my dad, as a knowledgeable man with 30 years of experience in the uh, taxation office before he became a broker, he understands a lot of this stuff and is able to explain it in a way uh, that makes a lot more sense to the layman like me. I'm still young in the game. I'm still trying to learn as much as I can. And so many terms uh, that the banks use and the financial people use go straight over my head. So this this podcast is something that I sort of dreamt up as an idea that my dad explains things for dummies. It's like finance and property for dummies. We couldn't use that as the podcast name because we didn't want to get sued. So the survival guide is what we went with. Um, Today on the show, we spoke about the NAB, uh, National Australia Bank's acquisition of an online bank called 86400 and what that means for the competition in the banking space. We also talked about the pros and cons of making extra loan repayments compared to making extra contributions into your superannuation uh, and much, much more. So if you enjoyed the show, please share it to anyone you think who might benefit from the information. If you like us, you can subscribe to us on Spotify. You can check us out on anchor.fm slash FNP Survival Guide. And if you want to get in touch, if you want to send me some critique, if you want to recommend someone who might be good for the show that you would like to hear interviewed by me, uh, reach out to me. My email is damien at moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Yeah, it's a pretty apt song for us at the moment. We're in uh, Melbourne, um, seeing some clients, which is good. We've got a few clients in Melbourne now, and um, on the way, caught up with some people in Goulburn, Canberra, and Albury. So we can help anywhere, help anyone anywhere around the country, which is great. Awesome. So the news from the week that we're going to break down: um, yep. the AFG index for April 2021, revealing lender turnaround times increase from 25.2 days in the second quarter of 2021 to 27.1 days in the third financial quarter. Yep. Um, obviously, because the financial year ends in June, yep. so we're coming up to closer to the end of the financial year as this uh, index is too. So are you seeing that in a similar yeah, look, fashion? Sort of. Um, what the key takeout here for people is, is when you're selecting your lender or when you're talking to your broker about selecting a lender, be really clear on your time frame. If you've made an offer on a property and you need to exchange in five or ten days um, and that lender's turnaround time is three weeks or four weeks, 
you're gonna not you're not gonna make it. Your finance won't be ready. Your finance won't be ready. Yeah. And remember that those turnaround times. Um, just be just ask your broker: Is that three weeks or four weeks that you're in the queue to be looked at for assessment, or is that three to four weeks from you lodging the loan till the loan being approved? Yeah. Because you know we're often finding that, um, yeah, once the it might sit in a queue for two weeks, a loan a loan application, um, the assessor picks it up from the bank. You know think of them they've got 45 minutes to make a decision on whether the bank's going to lend you half a million dollars over 30 years it's a big decision and if there's anything that they see that they're not they just need clarification on or doesn't make sense um, they will often just send a defer letter to the to the to the broker and say you know there's this entry on the bank statement for this period what is it for or why has this happened or why has that happened so then the broker's got to come back to you get that information get it back to the bank yeah. it doesn't automatically go back to the same person straight away it might sit in there uh, resubmit queue for another two or three days so if you need quick finance um, one try and not need fi quick finance try and get finance approved first mm. before you make offers um, we talk about buying a property being like two halves of a sporting contest yeah. first half is getting your finance and the second half is um, making offers on the property if you make offers on property before your um, finance is approved it's just going to cause you a lot of stress and a lot of heartache and we see it we see it quite a bit so and also maybe <coughs> worth mentioning is um you might end up having to opt for with a broker you might have to opt for a higher interest rate than what you would like to have to start with yeah because the lender that's got the quicker turnaround time might be a smaller lender with a higher rate yeah, it might have a higher interest rate yeah. look we're lucky at the moment that generally interest rates are around the same yeah which is not too bad but um for some of those lenders with really really good say two-year fixed rates um, some of them have quite long queues. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about the banks offering refinance cashbacks and those sorts of things, and they're pretty popular. You know, they're probably good for you if you've already got a loan and you um, you just want to get a better rate because yeah. you, you you know, you're already in the house and there's no real time. Yeah, there's pressure. no rush or pressure to get yeah. into a new home. But you know, it's one of the I think Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of his was begin with the end in mind. So what's your objective and what's the time frame and then select the lender. Yeah, okay. Um, another thing we're going to talk about was just talk that um, there's a big push for universities in general that uh, the travel bubble might open up with other nations because Sydney and Melbourne are sort of a little highly, a little more depend, <clears throat> a little more dependent on international students than a lot of the other mm -hmm. cities. Um, they've got a lot more university campuses than a lot of other cities in the country, so um, their vacancy rates are sitting above 3%, um, and the large portion of the market there is made up of international students. So um, according to this, some unit rents dropped as much as 20% on properties, mm -hmm. and travel bubbles may be the shot in the arm that rental markets need to get back on its feet. Yeah, look, so, I, I think international travel is months off. Yeah. I think we're a long way way off. You've only got to look at what's happening in India at the moment. Um, I think it was, what are we now, Tuesday, last Friday or Saturday, there was more COVID cases, more new COVID cases in the world than there was ever since we started. So this thing's got a long way to run. I think if you've got a inner city apartment, um, it's going to be a long time until you get um, any good rent. 
uh, especially if it's targeted overseas students, I think a, a really good thing to consider is selling. Because what's happened at the moment is a lot of the house prices have gone through the roof. So as a comparative, apartments are more affordable. So if you had a house that was, if you had a house in, in you know, Sydney or Melbourne that was a million dollars and the apartment was 500,000, um, now the, um, the houses are one and a half million dollars or two million dollars, the apartments might still be $500,000. Right. So comparatively, they're more affordable. Yeah. So I think a lot of people who still want to, who still want to get into the property market may opt for apartments maybe smaller ones, you know, three, four storeys without gyms and lifts and pools and all those things that add to your strata costs. But I think, you know, if you've got a unit, um, yeah, your best bet might be to sell it. Okay. Um, next thing we're going to talk about was um, some stuff coming out from Open OpenCorp and talking about uh, investing. And it was, it was a podcast we listened to with Matt Lewis and, and some of the things he said were just interesting thoughts. Um, talking about investing right now where we're in a bit of arguably the middle of a property boom or maybe the latter end of a property boom but something he said was that I thought was quite poignant was the best time to invest is when you can afford to it's not so much about choosing the right time and timing the market sometimes I think people he thinks at least that people overthink the process a little bit yeah and it's more important to just get into it as quick as you can yeah and i think for people listening who are in their 20s um investing in properties about the long term mm. uh, we met with a chap yesterday here at um who runs a big facebook uh, page for mortgage brokers and we were talking about south melbourne in the late 90s early 2000s and you know properties then were around high ones to mid 200,000s. Mm. now you don't get into south melbourne for much much shorter than a million or two million dollars. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking to buy prop, if if you want to, if you want get rich quick or get in get out, buy Bitcoin, um, or you know, go to the, or jump on a sports bet. Um, but investing is very much about long term, um, chipping away, getting rich slowly. So whether you're you choose shares or property. Um, just do something yeah. you know just um, on one of your first podcasts Simon Presley talked about um, take f- invest 15% of what you earn and I say to people save first so if you if you earn a thousand dollars a week put 150 a week into something and then live off the rest too many people live and then try to save do it the other way around but Matt's advice <clears throat> and you know the open court guys have been very successful um, so you know, I'm sure they can help you if you if you're interested. But you know, the main thing is to um, you know, get in the game. Okay. Um, the Real Estate Australia Insight report was showing some conditions are more favourable to buyers despite the property prices going crazy. So, um, based on the current pricing and ten year analysis of all associated costs, they've uh, reported that it's cheaper to buy than rent in fifty six point eight percent of dwellings across Australia. So. As a bit of a breakdown, the the analysis showed that 51.2% of houses will be cheaper to buy than rent, um, but 72.7% of units in the country will be cheaper to purchase than rent over the same period. It took into account mortgage repayments, stamp duty, selling costs, ongoing costs like maintenance and strata. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you about this was, do you think 
their inside and report is assuming that rates aren't interest rates might not rise too crazily for a couple of more years like yeah, look, the RBA wants yeah, to look, do. Look, probably I think a lot of these ones are done at a point in time. Yeah. So they're assuming like an average interest rate. I'm not sure which one they use, but um, I suppose the thing is to keep in mind it's a different buying proposition, buying to live in a place as in buying to rent a place. Buying to live in a place as much as about your lifestyle and where you want to live in an emotional attachment, whereas buying an investment property should be about the numbers. Mm-hmm. It should be about where is the best return on your investment now and into the future. So you know, a lot of the times when we do um, numbers for people, the, the repayment they'll be making at the moment is less than the rent they're currently paying. Um, just depends on where you're buying. If you're living in Sydney or Melbourne, it's probably still cheaper to rent, but you know, if you're still renting in 10 years' time, you could have missed quite a bit of capital growth, which is, if you're in the place, tax-free. So I think um, you know, it's, it's horses for courses. Okay. Um, other one we're going to talk about, so last Wednesday, uh, the 28th of April. Yep. Uh, we're recording this on the 4th of May, by the way. So um, last Wednesday, APRA has granted approval for NAB to acquire a 100% stake of 86400. So 86400 was the digital-only bank um, that delivered services through through a smartphone app and online only. They launched in 2019 and um, were sort of praised for having really good processes in place for approving loans and mm-hmm. having savings accounts uh, figured out for people. So. The ACCC's Rod Sims was speaking on it, saying that fintechs, financial tech companies, are going to play a critical role in the market and hopefully getting more banks to innovate and create better banking for their consumers. Um, what do you think this means? Because I sort of call bullshit sometimes with this stuff. I don't understand. Uh, we always There's always talk about wanting um, competition, but then companies big companies are allowed to buy out the small companies that's not doesn't really sound like competition to yeah, me I, I, to I always it. find these ones a bit weird right. I can I can certainly see why NAB wanted to buy the company yeah. because like most big companies big banks big whatever whatever's um, they have systems that are a bit clunky and a bit paper driven and all this sort of yeah. stuff so here's a fintech that has a totally um, well I've never actually used 86400. I am accredited with them, but I've never, they've never sort of, when I look at the lender options, they've never been to the top um, of what, what we've sort of put forward to clients just for, you know, for various reasons. But um, their system is quite nimble and streamlined and quick. So I think NAB are thinking, okay, do we spend a gazillion dollars in 10 years um, trying to get our system to match theirs or we just buy them and then let them... Run move, our digital move, arm, yeah, basically. Yeah, run our digital arm. So uh, um, it's going to be part of Ubank, which is um, NAB's online bank. Um, I'm still, yeah, still a bit... I think it's still a bit weird. Yeah. yeah. And, I, 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 and I, haven't, I haven't read what the ACCC said and all that yeah. sort of stuff, but it does seem a bit odd in a time when we're trying to heighten competition that... Yeah, and it's a bit like Facebook buying you know, Instagram and whoever bought Snapchat and yeah. Google bought Uber and all those sorts of things. You know, these little companies come up and they just get swallowed up. So yeah. it's a bit like fish in the ocean sometimes. And, and all the power to the people at 86400 because they sold it for quite a bit of money. Yeah. 
Um, that's sort of one of the goals of business sometimes is you start a business, sell it for a bunch of cash and then ride off into the sunset. So exactly, I don't, yeah. I don't blame them. I just, um, it's there's not an easy answer because you don't want to regulate too much for companies not to be able to acquire too much of a market share. But Yeah. Look, I think know. in their defence, um, 86400 doesn't have a big market share. Yeah. So it wasn't really taking too much competition right. out. And they weren't, they're not shutting it down. People will still be able to access the product through the Ubank thing. But I just think, I can certainly understand why... Um, the um why why nab was so keen to do it okay um this one is also again this is just us having a chat and talking about what we're seeing happening in the news and our opinions on those news topics Mm -hmm. so this one is purely opinion on my half at least um so the abs data showed that inflation rose just 0.6 percent over the march quarter um which shows that it only grew 1.1% annually, which is well down on the rate recorded over December, and it's way lower than what the RBA hoped it would get to for them to raise the cash rate. Mm -hmm. For months, the RBA has been saying, we're not going to raise the cash rate, the inflation numbers are just not there, we're not going to raise the cash rate, yada, yada, yada. And for months, economists and other articles and other news sources are saying, the bank might still raise it. The RBA might still mm. raise it. You got to be careful. Banks might not keep rates this high for too, this low for too long. Yeah. And now that the rate, the the inflation rates come out, and it's way below what we what it's it's on par with what the RBA expected for this time. I'm just sort of, it's it's frustrating because economists in the news have been saying for months these scary articles warning yeah, yeah. people that the cash rate's going to rise even though the RBA has never strayed from yeah. we're not we're not going to heighten it for another company. Yeah, I think this is just another example of when you have when you see something or read something have a think about the person's reason for saying it. Yeah. Now, if you're a bank and if you're a bank economist and your um, objective is to help the bank write loans you might put some scare into you might you might interpret the news to encourage people to do things quicker when they're buying places by saying oh rates are going to rise rates going to rise now i think there was a figure around 16 banks have raised their four and five year interest rate over the last couple of weeks so the banks are expecting rates to rise over time but then again quite a few banks have dropped their two-year fixed rates but they don't report that. So I think you've just got to keep in mind what people's motivations are for, for selling things, uh, for saying things. Yeah. You know, if, if, it's <clears throat> a, if you went to a, um, a share market seminar or reading share market stuff, they would be talking about you know, the, the problems with house prices because they want you to invest in shares. If you go to a financial planner, they're going to talk to you about the share market investing. They're not going to talk to you about property because they want you to invest in shares. So I think you've just got to keep in mind who's saying it and why are they saying it and what 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 are they trying to sell? Yeah. And what what's their objective? Um, but yeah, you know, um, I think the barefoot investor says tread your own path, and really that that's pretty good advice. Mm. It's really good. You know, work out what you are trying to achieve get the best team and the best advice and all that stuff around you and make informed decisions rather than just, wow, everyone's buying a property and I read the front page of the paper saying prices might go up 10%, so I'll just buy a property and hope it goes up because it may not. Mm. 
does he say to not wear shoes? Is that the whole? Oh, point look, I think his his thing has been like the, you know, finance has a quite serious um, brand. Mm. Yeah, you know, people in suits, you know, hanging around in bars near the stock market, drinking fifteen dollar pints of beer. Um, so his thing was to take it to the other way and basically, you know, he's barefoot. You know, it's like relaxed on the beach, cruisy sort of thing. Um, that's that's his brand. So the barefoot, yeah, the barefoot investor. But no, he he's quite good. He has um, he has great advice for people on you know budgeting and, and those sorts of things, and yeah, um, saving, having um, contingencies and yeah. all that sort of thing. Which is sound you know, advice. Which is, if anything, one of the best things that's happened in the pandemic is that a lot of younger people and older people are now realising that if they lost their job tomorrow. Um, they don't want to be at Centrelink the following day. They need a bit of a buffer. So yeah. that's been that's been a really good thing. For sure. Um, next thing we we're going to talk about was um, this was an article that was sort of brought out by Westpac that I found really interesting. It was sort of the four key reasons that price growth might slow down over the next year or so, yep. um, and whether the the housing bubble or the housing boom might sort of plateau a little bit over the next couple of months to the end of the year. Um, some of the factors include that selling sellers might return, that a lot of people had held off during COVID selling a house, um, that maybe lending policy might tighten. Uh, it might be harder to get finance, so a lot of people won't be able to even get to an auction uh-huh. to make an offer because their, their, um, their loan application will be denied, as well as oversupply being a potential factor because if more sellers return this year... Um, a great article Kate Bacos just spoke about uh, this week was that the Victoria have made some alterations to laws around being a landlord and that a house, a, a, a rental has to uh, qualify with a certain number of conditions. I think it's about 10. Things like having, they must have a heater, it yeah. has to have windows that are lockable yeah. and these 10 things that might act become a barrier and a lot of landlords aren't going to be making enough of a, enough um, profit to validate doing that yeah. make putting the money into fixing up some of the house um, and they might be more likely to just sell on mass yeah. that a land a lot of landlords might exit the market because it's going to be too hard yeah um, so that yeah. could be a part of it too that the oversupply yeah well I think what's happening in the market at the moment is a bit like what happened in at the start of COVID with toilet paper there was everyone wanted toilet paper there wasn't much around people were driving a suburb to suburb to find it and the price went up and at the moment that's what's happening in a lot of markets around the country with property not all markets though there's still some that aren't really moving um and yeah basically it's a supply and demand issue at the moment um yeah all the talk about yeah if the rba did put up interest rates that would probably um reduce the number of buyers so, you know, as the number of buyers, there's two ways to do it, either increase supply or reduce the number of buyers. And you see in New Zealand, that's what they've done. They've put a, a cap on, I think, investor lending of 80% LVR. So that will take people out of the market and reduce demand. So, that, you know, there's a couple, couple of ways to do it. But I think generally um, it's really weird that if you, normally if you own an asset, you can choose when and how to use it. But with property, the user of the asset seems to have a lot more rights than sometimes the person who owns the asset, which is quite weird. So you might find, you know, Kate could be right that you might have some people just go, oh, it's just too hard. I'll, um, I'll, um, I'll just sell the place. 
you know, which puts more stock on the market. So I don't disagree with you. Like sometimes um, I I never understood the push that came out of I think New South Wales originally um, when a lady who wanted to have her dog on a property won a lawsuit against the landlord for having yeah against a strata corporation yeah. yeah and. If I own a property and I want to rent that property out and I don't want to have to worry about the extra insurances I might need to worry about, I feel like I should be allowed the right to make the choice of not having a pet in a house I own. That sounds yeah, like, it's all that it's all a bit odd. Yeah, crazy. we've got one of one of the one of our mates helped they helped someone sell a property mm. just north of Newcastle and on the lease they weren't allowed pets um, and the couple had a couple of dogs and a couple of cats. And basically, when he handed the keys over to the new owner, he said, the first thing I'd do is get rid of all the carpet because it just smells. Now, it just, yeah, it, it, it's always, I'd always sounded, thought it was a bit odd that um, you own an asset, um, but you don't have, like, full control of it. And, yeah, you do, yeah, as a, as a landlord, you should supply working smoke alarms. Yeah, the window should be able to shut. Sure. Yeah, if you can't supply that sort of basic accommodation of people, go buy some shares. Um, but I think you know, it's just yeah, it just seems the balance is a bit odd. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the other things we're going to talk about was um, considerations for if you're somebody, whether you're an older person or a younger person, um, weighing up your choices in where you could put your extra money. Uh, in regards to how much, like how effective that will be in the in the future as well as right now. So, mm-hmm. um, some of the news I thought was interesting about this is just the comparison between putting money into your superannuation, making extra extra um, repayments, I guess you could say, yeah, or extra, extra, contributions. extra contributions to your super as a young person. Um, obviously, that might be a good idea. You can do salary sacrifice, which means you pay less tax on yep. that super yep. contribution. But a big con of that is unless we have another pandemic and the government allows you to access some of your super in bulk, you can't access that super earlier. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to do so. Um, but maybe if you have a mortgage and you've got loan repayments and if you've got an offset account maybe so you're able to make extra repayments, um, maybe putting money into that offset account or making extra repayments on your loan is probably a smarter option. Yeah, I think... It always depends upon your circumstance, but right. if you're if you're young, if you're in your mid twenties and you're probably going to retire when you're sixty five or seventy, and who knows by the time you get to that age, you know sixty five seventy people might be living till they're hundred and twenty or hundred and thirty. So you might still have people who are eighty or ninety working when you get to that thing. It's a horrific thought, but it may happen. Who knows with the with the way we're going? If you if you put extra money into super in your <coughs> excuse me in your mid twenties. That's locked away till you're 67 at the moment. So it's locked away 42 years. If you need it, you can't get it. So I'd certainly encourage people to maybe put a little bit extra in the super um, to <coughs> excuse me, actively manage or actively um, think about where their super is and the returns you're getting, yeah. returns you're getting and the fees you're paying and all that sort of thing. But um, when you're younger, probably once you've got a mortgage the money may be better off in the mortgage offset account because two things one it's saving you interest on the loan which is not tax deductible and secondly it is um, available if you need it so you know if you're 
if you need an operation or your kid gets crook or you need a new car, you can get that money, whereas if it's in your super, it's tied up. So that's probably some... There, there's a whole topic in that in that one. Um, but, yeah, just, just keep in mind, you know, if you put extra in the super, it's locked away. Okay. <clears throat> um, another thing we're going to cover, which is the last one for today, um, the the critique that a lot of the financial union people are throwing at banks that are closing their branches right now. Um, research revealing nearly 90% of Aussies won't return to their pre-COVID branch usage, according to a, a report by The Australian. Um, around 60% of consumers now use mobile banking apps, up from just 35% in 2019. So over two years, it's nearly doubled. Um, 32% of people taking out a mortgage in the past two years completed part of their application online. Half of those under 35 said they were happy to apply for a mortgage through digital channels. And another thing that was in this news was speaking about about 300 branches collectively across all banks have closed over the last year and a bit through COVID. And obviously there's been a bit of critique around, you know, you're, you're taking jobs away from areas and that sort of thing, which I get. But if nobody the a lot of the banking sector has talked back to them and said this is just COVID has accelerated a trend we were already noticing yeah it's just made it quicker it's made a quicker transition because more people have switched to just doing it all online quicker um than they already would have yeah yeah look i think there's like during COVID, i think you mentioned that um yeah you walk down some streets um where there used to be lots of cafes and now they're boarded up. Yeah. You know, you might be into Grove Street in Melbourne, Hunter Street in Newcastle, um, you know, Brisbane, you know, some around the city when the city was locked down in Sydney. Um, no one blinks an eyelid. You know, the people were there today, gone tomorrow. Um, it's no different to any business and it's no different to banks. I think the finance union people um, are taking the wrong tack. I think what they should be doing, rather than thinking from the perspective of their workers, they should be thinking from the perspective of their customers. And if their customers want to do things online and they want their union members to have jobs, they should be talking to the bank about how the workers can help clients do things online. Um, On the weekend, we had the seminar with the guys in in Newcastle with um, John Lindemann and Goose from Dashdot, and we had 30-odd people there. That morning I met with two people, that afternoon I met with someone and on the Sunday when we come to Melbourne we met with four people, three people on the way down. Now, people have time to do their banking and think about where they want to head um, investment-wise on the weekends. So if it was me, I would be saying, if I was running the finance sector union, I'd be saying to the banks, let's not shut the branches, let's maybe reduce their hours during the week when no one goes and let's open them on the weekends. That's what I'd be doing. Like I'd say, let's let's have the bank open Saturday and Sunday, which is when people are wandering by, going to lunch, can get a park, have time, and if they want to come into the branch, they will. But I think the, the thing that as the research has shown, people were already moving away from banks, um, and that's just heightened it and it's probably interesting stat 32 percent of people taking out a mortgage complete half of their application online and that under 35s half said they'd be happy to do it through a digital channel um that's quite an interesting stat especially for mortgage brokers and something that could be a bit of a wake-up call because um 
if mortgage brokers are listening to this and think and thinking happy days the banks are shut the banks shutting their branches is great for mortgage brokers may not be great for the people working in the branch but they've got to look at they've got to watch sliding doors with Gwyneth Paltrow mm-hmm. and see okay that door's about to show shut where's the opportunity and where is their door sliding open and what can they do about that rather than sit there and go like a kid in the corner who's had their toy stolen from them going wah 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 they'd be better off <laughs> they would be better off thinking okay where is the opportunity and what I'd do if I was in the finance sector union I would get the 10,000 bank staff send them all a copy of Gwyneth Paltrow's movie Sliding Doors on DVD and say guys have a re- watch of this movie and see where the opportunity is because it's of, all about the opportunity keep in mind too some of the bank branches haven't um like I remember we were talking about NAB a few months ago. They shut a few bank branches, but before that they had reduced hours of operation for those branches in yeah, question so, yeah. and switched those workers into handling more of the mortgage yeah. application process. So there was about process. there was about 114 branches, I think, from memory, and they made them from 9:30 to one, yeah. and they closed them for the afternoon. Now, the 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 bank what they'd be better off doing is doing that in the morning for the people that want to come in and rather than in the afternoon just hanging around hoping someone comes in they'd be better off saying to the people here's 10 people ring them up and say hello ask them how they're going ask them do they need any help how's their super looking do they want to have an appointment with do they want someone to come and see them on the weekend when they've got time to talk to them about how they're going wealth wise mm. now that's the, that's the thing that they're not doing so rather than rather than sit there and cry over spilt milk and say it's everyone else's fault um, they're going to look for, look for the opportunity like every business okay alright um, if anyone wants to get in touch how will they do so David um, yeah um, Facebook's good search Money Saver Home Loans um, our website moneysaverhomeloans.com.au um, we, we're about saving people money on their loan but we're also about helping them try and think about what they want to achieve and critiquing their plans and and those sorts of things and putting them in contact with the right people who can help them um, you know be in their team and help them for the future yeah most people um, you know anyone can buy a house but if you want to make money out of property yeah it's good to have a team on your side easy um, yeah if anyone wants to um, get in touch <coughs> Any guests that they can think of that they'd love to hear on the show, reach out to me at damien at moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. And this was the second of our shows recorded in Melbourne. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so we've seen quite a few clients down here. Um, I've got one suggestion. I I think, like if I heard Damien said that um, Spotify paid... Joe Rogan, I think, $100 million to get exclusive rights to his podcast. Yeah. If anyone from Spotify is listening, don't worry about the million, 100 bucks would do us. 100, maybe 120. Yeah, 100. Yeah, 100, get 20. 100 plus GST would be fine. So um, if anyone from Spotify is listening, get yeah. on board. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.